Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Relation Trips. This is Jennifer Yeoman, your host. On our last episode, we navigated through the five levels of needs and why they're so important for your overall health and happiness. This week, we'll continue through our most important self-care journey by interviewing medical nutritionist Chandra Cardi to help us understand the importance of having a healthy relationship with food and how we can reduce the effects of poor health and capitalize on living well. So let's begin this journey by preparing for our trip. Chandra, thanks so much for being with us today. I'm really grateful that you're willing to share some wonderful information with the audience. Well, thank you for inviting me, and I am so happy to share uh, my life and my world of nutrition and living healthier, living to the best of our ability. So as a wellness coaching specialist, my job is to support a professional like yourself the integrative medical nutritionist, and the patient. And so while working to support an individual to stick to the program that you provide, I'm there to give support, tools, and accountability to assist the patient with staying on track for their goals. Now, many are not fully aware of what a medical nutritionist does and the major benefits that comes with working with one. So can you share with us what your job is and how individuals can benefit from what you provide? Well, my job as a uh, medical nutrition therapist is to help the individual to understand how best to integrate themselves and their lives with the world of food. We all know that we have to eat to live. And a lot of us don't understand what that means. So my job as a nutritionist when individuals come to me, usually there's a disconnect between how they feel they need to eat and what actually is happening in their bodies and what their bodies are, are saying and how their bodies are responding to what they're doing. And so as an integrative nutritionist, I try to connect all the dots. Many people look at food as a way of enjoyment. I just love what I eat. It's just so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not realizing that all of that is paying a price and a toll on the health of their body. And so the hardest job I have is to separate that feeling, that emotion with food and the reality of what that food is doing in their bodies. And so I try to bring that to their awareness of integrating their whole life. And food is only one component of that whole life experience. And I know it's it's a lot of abstract talking. And so when I'm speaking to people, they don't truly understand because they can only see it through their eyes and their experiences. And so I tell them, if you... If you um, come on this journey with me, it'll be a journey like you've never, ever experienced before. And the end point will be a wonderful, wonderful experience that you will never forget. Awesome. 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 So 
it's really important, like you said, for individuals to understand what their food is doing to their body. And it's beautiful that you as a professional help to bring awareness to that so people can begin to make better decisions with how they fuel their body and how they provide the nutrients they need in order to um, have a healthier life. So as a nutritionist, what is your perspective on the obesity rates in the United States or Georgia in particular and the relationship individuals have with food? When I was um, doing my graduate work back in the 80s, we looked at the prevalence of diseases and where we've come from. And um, back early in the 40s and the 50s, we have slowly been able to eradicate diseases through vaccines and um, people being inoculated against disease. So our disease rate of those particular types of viruses and bacterial types of diseases has slowly declined over the years. However, on the flip side of it, our, we call it um, a disease of excess, and that's what it is. Obesity is excess, and that's been on the rise. So uh, the prevalence of obesity in um, 2017 and 18, it was 42 percent of the population were obese, and that's that's just that's that's just incredible. And it an increase from say back in early 2000. So that's about a 17 year, almost 20 year period from 30.5 percent. So we see obesity worldwide is increasing as a whole. And as a healthcare provider, our concern is that the obesity-related conditions such as heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, and certain types of cancers are also on the rise. And so you may have a life expectancy of maybe into your 80s and now some people into their 90s, but because of obesity, that life expectancy is cut short. And so um, it's also increasing, causing our medical systems billions of dollars to treat the medical conditions associated with obesity. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it just makes me think of the projections. So if obesity rates do not make a turn for the better, what are some projections for the next five to 10 years? Well, unfortunately, our disease rate will continue to increase. I am seeing so many uh, pre-diabetes and diabetic individuals, and even it's beginning younger at a younger age. And so that's not very good. Whereas the life expectancy was slowly creeping up. We're, we're had a, we've got a life expectancy of 85 years or so that will decrease unless there's a change, a turnaround in the obesity rate. Wow. That's very, very serious. Something that we all really need to consider and prepare ahead of time and try to make the necessary adjustments now, because what we eat and consume now affects us down the line. And I don't think people fully understand what that means when you're young. You can do certain things, but as you get older, those consequences from what you've done to your body years ago manifests itself years down the line. So 
And, you know, and what's so sad, let me just interject this, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, in in Black Americans, the obesity rate is as high as 49.6%. That's almost 50% of the population is obese. Mm-hmm. So that's that's most alarming. So can you share then what are some of the underlying causes of food addiction? Well, I like to look at it, and this is just a very, very brand new concept, and it's called social determinants of health. In the past, or the traditional way the medical community look at health is it's, it's one dimensional. But we know that it's, it's, it's much broader than that. So when somebody comes into my office, and it's just recently that I am embracing this terminology, the social determinants of health. And when you say, you know, what contributes to that? Well, I look at the whole environment, the environment as a whole. Um, where do you, what foods do you eat? Where do you purchase your foods from? Who is also involved in your Mm -hmm. household? Is it a single household or is it a multiple household? What, what, where do you work? So, you know, you, you say addiction. Addiction encompasses so many different areas. Um, do we, are we drawn to food because it we're bored. I mean, so you have to really peel back the onion because it's got multiple layer layers before you mm-hmm. really get to the initial cause. And that cause may be generational. It may have gone back to some type of experience 20 years before that may be contributing. So it's just, it's, right, it's not, right. I wish it was one little peel. You take this peel and everything will go away. But that's not life. That's not reality. And fortunately, when people come seeking my services, they want to pill. You just tell me what to do. And I shake my head, and I think, wow, I wish it were that simple. But it's not. Right. And I think society has contributed to that greatly with all of these pills but it's much, much deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. And it encompasses, like you said, the entire individual, your environment, even those that you socialize with, your household. Is the household obese? What are we doing to contribute to the total person and your overall health? So I'll ask you another question then, especially when it comes to the body and what's happening when there's an abusive relationship with food. Can you share or elaborate more on that? What happens to the body? Well, I like to look at it in terms of, I, um, I like to relate it to a car. I tell people, when you come into my office, I, like, I would love to teach you how to recognize the signals that the body is giving you. The body always sends signals. If that stomach is burning at night because of something you ate, well, you go to the doctor, he gives you a pill, a pill to calm the stomach. I say, well, that's the worst thing you can do. Some of these pills like protonics 
and some of these other, um, uh, we call them proton inhibitors, they change the pH of the stomach. But the stomach sending you mm-hmm, a signal, it mm-hmm. could be gas. It could be indigestion. Right. And, and do you ever wonder where it's coming from? Could it be the fried chicken that you ate? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but yet you're going to keep on eating that fried chicken and take that medicine. So the Bible, <laughs> I mean, to me, that doesn't make sense. And look at the commercials. Their commercials are um, uh, upset stomach and you take something. There's a commercial for indigestion. There's a commercial for um, for constipation. Well, what's constipation? You're not eating enough fiber. Right, right. The fiber, you go to the bathroom. And my world is so simple. There's a food answer for everything. Absolutely. You're not drinking enough water. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I was, so I was it's, just... It's go ahead, I'm sorry. Comical. <laughs> That's okay. Now, I was thinking about that as you were talking about the commercials with the different medications. And it's like they have these different <laughs> treatments, but they still are showing these commercials with burgers and pizza and the fried chicken. So it's counterproductive. <laughs> it's counterproductive. It is. It is. It is. I, I can say probably 70% of my clients when they come into the office are on some kind of indigestion medication. I mean, that that's, that's the thing now, I think. You know, you put everybody on, and, and it used to be um, Zantac, and then they took that off the market. And so it's omeprazole. I mean, it's just a huge percentage of them. And I wonder, did the doctor ever ask you, well, what are you eating? How are you eating? How fast are you eating? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And that makes a big so difference the, with indigestion. It does. It does. It does. And so, you know, I look at all that. And and granted, as you get older and in some individuals, it could be an enzyme deficiency. So those are areas that we look into. Um, can we increase what the body's already naturally producing, not add some man-created formula that may have an ulterior effect on what how the body should be processing the food. Right, right. So if you can give us any extra insight into integrative nutritional medicine, what would that be? One thing I like, I'm liking about the integrative nutrition approach is that I'm not the only practitioner. I'm not alone. So if I see that somebody needs to increase in the way that they relax, they're just really stressed out, so stressed that they can't, they don't take the time to eat appropriately. They don't take the time to take care of their bodies. I start thinking, okay, where else can I send them? Can I introduce them to some type of meditation approach? Mm-hmm. from another practitioner. So there are other practitioners. It could be yoga. It could be some form of meditation because I don't have the time in in, in my practice and that's not my focus. Right. But I can refer you, I can integrate our approach to something else so that as you relax, your stomach has a better opportunity to, t- 
to digest the food that you're eating because you're in a relaxed state. So I would um, coordinate services with, um, like I said, yoga. Um, I would also ask whether or not what type of activities you are involved in and might refer you to a physical therapist or an exercise therapist. So integrated, you're integrating, I'm integrating my services with other whole health practitioners. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the good thing about the health coach is, okay, you've got a coach there making sure that you're staying on track with all the different services that you should have incorporated into your lifestyle. Exactly. I was thinking that as you were mentioning that, you know, working mm -hmm. together collectively to make sure the individual's individual is able to stay on track and can stay accountable yes. to all of the different practitioners that they're working with so we can collaborate to make sure that everyone can lead this healthier um, life. Exactly. Uh, with me in, in food, I <clears throat> focus on where you're purchasing your food from, what you're purchasing, and if it's the food group or food item that's not um, body's responding, not responding appropriately to, then we explore ways of can can we negotiate a change? Um, no need to continue on the same eating the same food if that same food is not benefiting the body. Exactly. And a lot of people aren't ready to make change. And that's a big, that's a big area that, okay, how do we negotiate the change? Um, because, you know, when someone comes into my office, they must be willing to change what they're doing. Because if you continue what you're doing, then you're not going to change the outcome. Exactly. And I also think, again, that's where the coach comes in, understanding the different stages of change. And if a person is ready, because if it's identified that a person is really not ready to take that extra step or commit to making the changes or um, being accountable for those actions, then they're not ready and they're not going to fully move forward with what they need to do Um to have better health and better wellness, especially in regards to what they're consuming. Right. And I think having a person there give you permission and say, you know, it's okay. If you can't make the change right now, it's okay. Right. And um, because what I find is that a lot of people feel shame when they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And they don't, have a person there to discuss why or how or give them the ability to back out of it at this point in time and give them permission to come back a little bit later. And so when people feel overwhelmed with just so much to do, they just, they just stop. They don't do anything. They just, and so for me, that's very frustrating when somebody just stops. And I feel that, you know, it's okay because the timing may not be right. But mm -hmm. having somebody else that they can discuss that with and communicate that to the provider is um, is most helpful. Yes, absolutely. And I think 
understanding what those different stages of change are, a person might be in pre-contemplation where they're not fully aware of the seriousness of their actions and what they're consuming and how it's affecting their body. But going to contemplation, helping them to get a little more knowledge with what they're doing, how it's impacting them, slowly moving them forward and everybody go through different stages at different times. And so being able to Absolutely. identify, yes, identify what the what stage they're in so you can assist in slowly moving them moving them forward to progress to where you need them to be with actually taking action. And I think that's where some programs are very challenging because they're expecting individuals to get into the action phase right away where that's not how change occurs. It's a process. Absolutely. And a lot of people, because they don't have the the support system, they have too much, too high expectation of themselves and their abilities to change. And so I think having somebody to help them understand that this is a process mm-hmm. and how and take them, hold their hands and take them through the process. I think that's where our medical system lacks the um the um, the ability to integrate, and it become it's it's too much of a didactic type system and not an in- interactive system. And now what we're learning is, I mean, we're focusing more on a patient centered um, environment, but I don't think as healthcare providers we truly understand what patient center is. And um, so in my practice, I try to center my services around the person, the individual. Um, And it's a slow process. It it is slow. I tell people, you may be doing this for a year. You come into the office, you're going to expect to know what to do in one hour. That will, that's not going to happen. It's not. So um, I think in our whole medical environment, we just, we need more, more coaches, we need more explanations because, you know, as a practitioner, I only have a limited amount of time. Right. And so I can't focus on everything that I want to focus on in that one hour setting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why. And, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I was going to say, and then the physicians have less time than that. So, you know, our, our heads are filled with so much, but there's only a small amount that we can accomplish in the limited time that we have. Yes. And that's why it's a team effort. That's why it's a team effort integrative. So everyone can have a part in growing and in doing better. So Chandra, I really, really thank you for being with us today and sharing your wonderful insight and how important it is to be able to work with someone like you to fully understand what's needed to fuel the body in a healthy way um, to rid disease or prevent disease down the line or in the future. So can you please share with us how the audience can contact you or receive your services directly? Well, you can visit my website, nutritioninthenow.com. And if you look at the bottom right-hand um, corner, there is a link that says um, it, it It allows you to schedule an appointment online 
And so I have virtual appointments, also in-office appointments, and I try to make it very easy for someone to set up an appointment. Awesome. And of course, they can call me at my office, and the office number is 770-389-0836. Awesome. Well, I thank you. Thank you again for being with us and taking time out of your busy day. Um, And hopefully we'll be able to have you on future episodes to help enlighten the audience. So thank you, Chandra. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. And I look forward to working with you and um, uh, referring of my patients to your program. I thank you. I thank you. It's all about helping individuals and growing collectively um, as a whole. So that sounds good to me. Oh, thank you. So, my loves, we have navigated through a very important topic today, a relationship with food and how it can show up in many different ways. Our overall health and wellness is reflective of how healthy that relationship truly is. So I want to leave you with a question for consideration. What is my body telling me in regards to my relationship with food? On next week's episode, We'll start our journey through the marital relationship and what's needed for women in particular to truly be happy while navigating within it. So don't forget to tune in. Please share this episode with anyone who could use some extra encouragement. And if you would like, subscribe to my email list at www.lovetolivelifecoaching.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Coach. J Yeoman, and that's Coach J Y O U M A N. Remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share your experience. And if you need one on one support, you can reach out with the contact information shared. I'm Jennifer Yeoman, your wellness coach. And remember, make this day great.